This is I'd Rather Be Right, a podcast about big ideas and better predictions. And dick jokes. Which is why this isn't financial, legal, or even dating advice. We might be rich, successful, and good-looking, but Mark Cuban hates us. So prepare to enjoy the best podcast that only awesome, charming, and attractive people like you listen to. Here we go. Hey, hey, we're going. <laughs> Welcome back to the I'd Rather Be Right podcast with Luke and Nate. It is uh, Wednesday, January 26th. We're in the middle of uh, talking stuff because Nate is actually on the border of Ukraine and Russia, and he needs a little levity in his life because I don't know if you guys have heard, but things are a little testy out there. Nate, what is it like out in Ukraine? Uh, the food's great. Uh, the war torn. Aspects are not great. I do not want to be here for too much longer because it's going to end badly. That's what I would say. Yeah, it probably will end poorly. Yes. Yeah, for all of us, maybe, maybe. I don't. Know. I don't really think nukes will happen, but you know. No, I, I don't think. I don't think nukes will, nukes will happen. I think that's unlikely. Not over um, Ukraine. Yeah, we definitely need to get into Ukraine in a second. But for that rocky start, we were talking about uh, taxes and what all the, all the things we're going to deduct. From the podcast, and I was like, "Why are we talking about this? We got great content right here." So yeah, guys, I'm going to be deducting all my my trip to Miami, some of my computers, some of my uh, phone, all my books, lots of my Amazon Prime stuff because a lot of it ended up on here. So yeah, so starting a business is a uh, is a good way to get a lot back on taxes. Like our the way our society or our structure is just built is business owners and asset owners, you just get a lot of benefits. And so <laughs> yep. you can write off a lot of stuff. And then then with all of that, uh, I'm going to take whatever refund I get and throw it into Bitcoin because Bitcoin's low right now and I think it'll be way yeah. higher in a year. And I'm going to use that to pay off. If you guys remember that loan I took out to pay partly by Bitcoin and partly by my computer and a few other things, I'm going to use it to put towards that. And we'll close out that trade in about you know nine months from now. So I will take my entire refund, put it into Bitcoin at the current price if I can get into it. As the problem is right now refunds from IRS are taking a long time to come through. In case you guys didn't know that, I'm a tax guy, so I know that. So it could be a lot more expensive by the time we get the refund. But, but Why are they slow? If, if I do get it soon, it'll be great. I don't know. They're backed up. They're extremely backed up for a while. I think a lot of it is COVID. So COVID required them a lot of... Uh, to suddenly all work at home, which they were not ready for. The government, as a general rule, is not ready for. And as a result, I think that slowed everything down. I think that's the main issue. And then there's a backlog because of that, and they're starting to dig their way out of it. You know, for a while, passports, for instance, were taking a long time. Right. Uh, that's another example of COVID cause. So I think that's, that's what's going on. I'm not entirely sure, but my guess is that. But I do know for a fact they're taking a while. So if you're waiting on a refund, just cool your heels, I guess, and wait because it's good. But it'll get there. I don't do my taxes till the very last minute. So I got another five, six months before. I don't actually get refunds. Actually, I normally pay the government a lot of money. So I don't know if I've gotten a refund in the last eight years, to be honest. Yeah, so, so. you might get one this year, though, because you've definitely got a lost business going on right now. Uh, not re- no, I make a lot of money. This is like because it's all like it all like goes together, right? I have a lot yeah, of other businesses. Yeah, it all gets go together with the W two. Well, I mean, presumably you're withholding on your W two, right? So zero. I be- just do zero W two. Oh, you do? Oh, then you just owe a check at the end. Yeah, yeah. you owe your money. 
I don't know. I just like like I'm like I don't know, dude. It's just put zero and I'll pay. So I like I always pay money. I pay so a lot. You, of, I give the government a lot of money. Yeah, but you should withhold on your W two, and the reason is if you're not going to make. I assume you're not making quarterly payments. Um, I do on my well, no, I, I make uh every six month payments on my business. I just pay gross receipts, but that's state. So federal, uh, no, I don't do I don't so do. You're quarterly paying for a federal. penalty. You're paying penalty every year because you're not paying your quarterly taxes, right? Why would I pay quarterly taxes? So, like, you're supposed to remit quarterly uh, if you own a business. So, uh, you mm. kind of look at what your what it looks like it's going to be for the end of the year. You take that portion. Not of the necessarily. I think that depends on how much money you make as a business, and I don't make enough to where like I need to do quarterly. The way I understand it, obviously, you would understand it better. But the way I understand it is, a lot of people will pay. A lot of business will pay quarterly uh, just to stay up on it. But like. I don't make a ton of money as a business, so I just pay, and I do gross receipts tax every six months for state, which I hate. It's the worst thing in the world. Gross receipts tax is the worst thing in the world. But I don't think I pay, because it's just a pass-through, right? So I just have a pass-through, just LLCs, contract stuff. So I guess it's not, I don't have an S-corp or anything. But your current, your new job, you're a W-2 employee, right? I I do have a W-2 job, yeah. And you're not withholding anything. I would assume you're. I assume they, you're withholding something. Are you just withholding the minimum? Is what you're doing? Not over withholding. Uh, I don't know. I just put. I've always just put zero for my entire working life. Just zero. I don't know what that means. Like no dependents, right? Yeah, yeah. So I just put zero. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I know I had so dependents now. So but. you're actually overpaying because um, right uh, now. Yeah. So right. If you don't take any of the exemptions, they're going to pay more. Uh, which actually, mm. in your case, might work because. You're gonna. You have to pay for your other businesses anyway, mm. so you might be. Anyway, this time I don't, you only got the job recently, right? So it's, at, the, at the fourth quarter, yeah. Fourth quarter. So it won't be a good. Yeah. So the next year, it'll probably make a big difference where you may not actually owe money or owe less than you mm. usually do because of the fact that uh, the fact that you are with over withholding effectively on your W two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. My my mom's like an accountant, so she just tells me what I need to tell her, and then she handles it. <laughs> <laughs> Is she your accountant for your businesses as well, or just? Yeah, yeah, that's what she does professionally. She's like an accountant for uh, like a small businesses, yeah. so she has like ten clients that are like small business. I mean, big, not our size. <laughs> Like, you know, small, quote unquote, businesses in, in the business sense of the term, which means like under $100 million a year in revenue yeah. type of thing. So, yeah, that's what she does all all day. So she just says, what do you like? Wh- what were your things? And I go here and then she does all those deductions and then she goes, OK, you need to write me a check for a thousand bucks. And I go, OK, here you go. <laughs> just like I'm going to focus on making the money. You just do the taxes or whatever. That's, that's, that's good. That you have an accountant to work like you, her and you, that, yeah. How much do you pay her? Do you pay her anything, or do you? No. no. <laughs> she, like, you're just taking advantage of her free. Uh, I buy her flowers and chocolate for uh, <laughs> holidays and her birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a nice deal. An account for free. <laughs> yeah, I cook her food sometimes. <laughs> You so, could give her some money, you know. I mean, I could what, do that. I, well, well, I mean, yeah. When she retires, you might want to start paying her. Yeah, she's never asked me for money. So it's like she, it's like one of those things where like I'll bring it up and she'll go. I'm like, oh, I should pay, and she's like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later. And then we just never talk about it again. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, 
Well, don't forget to tell her uh, you got a trip to Miami that should be included in your new business. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I actually had forgotten about that, but it doesn't matter for a gross receipts tax that I just had to pay because if you guys don't know, gross receipts tax is taxes on your gross revenue, which I think is evil. That's like, why would I pay taxes on my gross revenue? What if I break even or negative? Then I still have to pay taxes on it. It drives me crazy, but yeah. The that New Mexico one is it? Um, is it gross receipts instead of sales tax? You guys, you guys have a service. You have a service we have both. We have, have both. Serv- you have a service tax, though, right? It's like it's the New Mexico one, the one that one of the ones that falls on the services for everything, and technically, it's gross receipts that kind of tax. So, what I mean is, is it an excise tax or is it like an income tax? Like, how does it work? Oh man, do I don't even, even know do what. You even, what do you, you even mean? know? Is it like it's more like a sales tax or more like a like a like a state income tax? Um. No, so it's so gross receipts means like so. Let's say you have a business. Let's say we have this business, right? And let's say we made um, a thousand bucks, whatever, or ten thousand bucks, right? Uh, yeah. uh, in six months um, on this business, I have to pay taxes on that ten thousand dollars, regardless of if I made any profit yeah. or had any loss or anything. It's just you had ten grand come into your business you have to pay tax on that 10 grand regardless of expenses yeah so grocery receipts can work in two ways and it's, one is more like an income tax and one's more like a sales tax and it sort of depends on who it falls on like are you allowed to mm-hmm. pass it through to your um to your customers or not um i think like, so like, i mean direct, yeah i can like, charge like directly like directly like you know how like a sales uh, tax it's it's yeah. So like, yeah, so I could, so when I, when I sell something, yeah, I guess the proper way you're supposed to do it is you, you charge them and then you add in the tax. So, you know, add 7% to whatever you're charging them and you take that 7% and you hold it, you save it until gross receipts tax time comes and then you pay your gross receipts tax. Yeah. So that's more that like money. a sales tax. It's going to fall on them. And it just right. sort of depends on how it's set up. Some places make it more fall on you, which is more like an income tax, right? But then other right. places well, it happens with you, and, uh, yeah. and other places allow you to manipulate it. So like it technically falls on you, but it is usually a, but a lot of times there's a statutory provision that says you're allowed to charge it on an invoice to someone else. I see what you're saying. And so it just sort of depends on the nature. State I don't taxes know. It gets really weird. So yeah. Uh, so I, I don't know. Actually, I'm not an expert on New Mexico. I know we are in New Mexico, but we don't do a whole lot with New Mexico. Yeah, I don't actually know the answer to your question. So so I guess what you're saying is like if I. You're saying is like so if I charge someone a thousand bucks and I charge them seven percent interest, is that exempt from the tax? Can I pay the tax or then do I also have to pay tax on that seven yeah, percent? Is what yeah, you're exactly. asking? Yeah. Uh, I don't know that actually. I don't know because um, it's always been ten ninety nine stuff. It's like a self employment tax. It's like gotcha. so it's ten ninety nine. So obviously you're supposed to charge more. So that's an interesting question. I should I should ask about that because I don't I don't actually know. Like if you're allowed to pass it, it's sort of, you, you guys said, you, you said you have a sales tax though, right? Uh, I guess, I mean, yeah. Like when we go to the store, yeah, you have to pay sales tax. So then maybe it probably doesn't operate that way. It probably operates more like an income tax. It probably falls on you technically. Yeah, I think uh, so. Just because if you already have a sales tax, but there are other places that have a, basically instead of a sales tax, they have a gross receipts tax that operates like a sales tax. Oh, okay. So, and, it's all yeah. and so the big difference between, one of the big differences between sales tax and gross receipts that operate as a sales tax is that those also apply to services, which is unusual. Um, yeah. mo- most sales taxes do not apply to services and only apply to goods, uh, physical things you can touch. It's called yeah. tangible personal property. Right. Okay. So it's non- not real property, not houses, but 
physical things, including computers, books, mm. all these things around me, usually booze. <laughs> booze usually gets yeah. extra. Uh, yeah. Uh, any, anything from the grocery store generally, and then sometimes some of those things are exempted, like milk, because yeah. they want milk people to have. We actually food. don't have any tax on grocery stores here. So, like, yeah. if you buy food at the grocery store, it's not taxed. So that's semi-common. Often they will tax some of it, but, like, for instance, milk might not be taxable because right. they want to make sure everyone has access to milk. Right. And they don't want to exactly. charge that up. Yeah. No, it drives me. It's a fight every year. Well, I mean, not a fight. Like, obviously, I'm not fighting the government every year because they would win. But I'm by <laughs> fight, I mean, I get real upset every year that I'm like, I have to pay them. I'm like, oh, I made six grand or whatever in the last six months. I'm like, I have to pay them $300. Like, why? <laughs> For what? <laughs> For making six grand? Ah, <laughs> uh, drives me ins- Dude, it like, ah. Uh, uh, it drives me crazy. But I think the reason it is because we have so many labs here. We have so many government labs here. Uh, we have like we have the highest percentage of, for example, PH, physics PhDs in the country. So we have a lot of government labs, and the state wanted to figure out how we how can we tax those people. And the grocery receipts tax is how they came up with it. And uh, I hate it. So moving to Puerto Rico. Yeah. With my uh, Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, Puerto Rico's a great place to go if you have Bitcoin and and, and the means to do it. Uh, yeah, I'm a big I probably wouldn't move there, but... My biggest problem is my whole family's in this area, so Same. it's hard for me to, like, just get up and leave. If yeah, my whole did, family's if, they, if we were all spread out, I'd probably go to Puerto, Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah, Same. It's just, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I have, I have all my family's here, all my uh, girlfriend's family's here, child's family's here, so it's just, like, how are we... <laughs> How, how would I justify moving to Puerto Rico? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, let's jump to uh, Ukraine. Back to the Ukraine. World stuff. War Three. World War Three. We, we, we've bored you guys with taxes and New Mexico gross receipts tax enough that it's time yeah. to jump into the hot, fun topic of the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Just, we're going to cheer you guys up. <laughs> right up. <laughs> Everyone's going to get super happy. But in case you guys haven't been paying attention... Massive amounts of troops are are amassing on the Ukrainian border on the Russian side. Putin is having them come in. He ju- there's just intel came out that he's got the medics in place and some other support services. So it looks really looks like he's going to do this. Like he is going to try and and evade into Ukraine. And if that happens, we could be in a land war in the middle of Europe pretty soon. It's going to be hard for us to avoid, I think. Technically, it's important to remember Ukraine is not part of NATO right now. They promised that they would become part of the NATO, which is part of the reason people think Putin might want to do this. It's unclear uh, exactly what Putin wants. So let's talk about that first. What do you think Putin's motivations are for if he decides to actually invade? What are his motivations? Keep in mind, in 2014, he invaded Crimea and still occupies that territory, which was kind of a contested territory at the time. Right. So I think NATO is his number one issue is he does not him. And when I say him, I also mean his uh, cabinet, let's call them. Um, if you listen to well, I don't know if we've released that podcast on our books yet or if the, I think this one might come out. But we in there, I talk about a book called The Dictator's uh, Handbook or something. And it talks about the keys to power and in order to keep power. You need people basically to agree to give you power. Power is something people give you. And in nation states like Russia, that power comes from people who control the military, who control the banks, who control the government. They give you that power and Putin then reciprocates by giving them 
breaks and he, he uses his power to get, make them wealthy and powerful themselves. Um, and I think, uh, so when I, when I say Putin, I mean him and everyone he's trying to please, they don't want NATO in their backyard. Um, NATO, they see as their biggest threat. Um, and NATO is basically 99% the United States military. It's like, I'm not saying it's like our soldiers, but we fund it the most. We, we help it out the most. we we push it the most, uh, Russia does not want NATO in Ukraine. They don't want NATO in any of those bordering Eastern European countries because they don't want the United States military essentially right next to their border, probably because that would interfere with whatever they're trying to do out there, a lot of their sketchy stuff. Um, and, they, and, you know, as a, if you're just a nation, you don't want your enemy close to poverty. Like you would say, would we want Russia to put military people in Mexico or in Canada? Like, no, we would definitely not want their soldiers to be there. And so I think number one, they don't want, number one, first and foremost, they don't want a show of force that close to their border. They definitely want a buffer. I know that maybe doesn't make sense because if they take over Ukraine, then aren't they closer to NATO, but that still gives them a little bit of a buffer. Um, So they, they want no, they want fewer countries in NATO completely. And that has been uh, I think a Russian ideal f- since NATO was founded, you know, decades ago, what back after World War II, not exactly after World War II, a couple decades after that, I believe. Um, they they don't want NATO there, so I think that's number one for sure. Number two, um, um, they think they on, own that shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, we'll get there in a second. But before we go on, should we explain a little bit about NATO? I think we may want to do that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I, I go for it. I, so I think first we need to know what it stands for. It stands for the North Atlantic Treaty Association. And it right. basically it came out after World War II. And yep. it's largely composed of the United States as the big big member, then also Canada. And then other than that, there is most of Europe. Well, the big uh, Western major. Europe. Uh, Western Europe, yeah. And there's some Eastern Europe in there. And that's sort of yep. the contested area. They've kind of been slowly moving over in, more and more over to Eastern Europe, and they promised, I think it was 1994, but it was a while back, that eventually Ukraine could become part of it. And Ukraine is obviously on Russia's border and contested area anyway. So this... And by, like, what does it mean? So what does it mean to be a NATO country? Is uh, Basically, if any of you guys are attacked, you guys are agreeing to attack as well. And joint action for a lot of things. It's not a guaranteed if you... I think if you, you go in on your own, but certainly if you're attacked, right. everyone else will show up and defend you. So as we know from World War, like World War I, uh, this caused lots of problems when the same thing, when we had a bunch of different mutually different, like treaties going mutually different ways and suddenly things blow up. So these kind of things sound nice in a way, and these cooperation is a good way of projecting forces, Jason Lowry would say. However, it can go awry if someone gets attacked and for some small incident and suddenly we're in a war and, and, create a power and, and everyone just gets yeah exactly and everyone gets it gets pulled in so right. I actually agree that NATO might be part of it so I think the way I would phrase this I don't think we actually know for sure why Putin is doing any of this I think what the best answer sure. is probably a little bit of everything that we're going to mention yep. because when I tend to th- when I think when you think if you don't know for sure why someone's doing something they, and you have a lot of good reasons the answer is probably a combustible aspect of all of it. Like it's what, what Charlie Munger calls right. Lollapalooza effects. Multiple right. things operate in the same direction. So one of them would be this NATO conversation. And another one would be, yeah, he thinks he owes it. It's been contested for a long time. I would add, it is also a democracy right next to him. And I do think that, that is underappreciated. He is a mafia member, basically, who's running a country. Yeah. He does not want 
a democracy in his backyard. Certainly not one that they. So you have to understand the pe- Russian people and the Ukrainians actually like each other. So they're, they're, they consider themselves like it's like brothers. That, like, by the way, that's very across Eastern Europe. That's across these. I mean, you could say the same for Estonia, Latvia. They are very simpatico. They have been intertwined culturally for hundreds or thousands of years. Yes. So if you got these guys that you are who are pro who have a democracy or pro democracy. And they're in your backyard, and you're a mafia member, basically a dictator who doesn't want democracy to spread. And you know your people are like them. You may want to crush democracy or you know, crush it either literally or figuratively in the sense that you crush the current one and install a fake uh, regime. Right. And everyone kind of knows it's fake so that everyone knows democracy. Which they have there. done. Yes. In Ukraine, they have done that. There's uh, a lot of history about this. I don't remember the guy's name. He's not currently the president. He was for a little bit, and he is very pro-Russian. And there has been a lot of evidence that Russia really influenced a lot of uh, <laughs> elections in Ukraine. Maybe not the last one, although I'm sure they're always involved in um, elections. But there's definitely they have won elections for people in Ukraine that are been pro-Russia in the past. Yes. 100%. And we also know, you know, there was Hitler's move in France, right? When you stole the Vichy yeah. government, right? It was, the, it, was a, it was a figurehead that was really, we knew, controlled by Hitler. And this is the same. This would be the same thing. If he can. And so there's multiple options people think he might be doing this for. One, putting diplomatic pressure by effectively acting like he's going to do it and forcing us to make some concessions, including Ukraine will not become part of NATO, I think would be one of them. Uh, the other thing is he could try to force effectually effectively in advocation, right? So the so the current uh, president just runs and hides. I think his name is Zelensky, if I recall. And he's a former comedian, by the way, so maybe don't hire entertainers <laughs> to do a man's job when you're... And by a man, I don't mean a man. I mean, hey, like... Hey, like, Trump did a great job. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly my point. You maybe, uh, Reagan right, did right, a great right, job. When I say by a man's job, I really mean like, uh, like a person's job who is to go to war because you're about to be in war. And that's someone who you want to have experience, whether that's a man or a woman. I want someone who's going to go out and destroy, uh, destroy right. and win. And right now, I don't, I don't think comedian may be the best background for, for winning a war. Uh, and they knew that this threat was always there. So it's a little weird to me they went with this guy, but they went with him. And he's the president. And for the record, there's a prime minister there, too. And it's basically a cabinet member, and they oversee the day-to-day operations of the government. The cat. The cabinet and the prime minister serve at the pleasure of the president, I believe, there. So just so we have some idea of how that works. So I don't know how you would effectively get their Churchill in, but if I were Ukraine, I'd be trying to get my Churchill in right now. And, you know, in the way the U.K. worked back before in, in World War II, when they kind of knew it was coming, the Chamberlain resigned, and they pretty much agreed, along with the Queen, that it was going to be Churchill. They needed the guy who was just going to go to freaking war and win. Like, who was never going to back down, and just and had been studying his whole life on how to just defeat, to win wars. Right, that's what you want. And right now, that's exactly what I would want. And if I were there, yeah. and they don't have that, so so I think no, that's they another, do not. So I think that's another reason Putin has a reason to do it. He, if he wants to do it, this is a good time. There's that, the fact that we are weak, and by that I mean we left Afghanistan, we've left Iraq, uh, we didn't win. And we have weak see, public and, opinion and, for war. And 100%. That's the other thing. American people do not want this, and he knows it. He knows the American people better than I think the Americans know themselves. I think he proved that in 2016, uh, again in 2020. 
and, and he understands probably even better than our current politicians who are completely out of touch. And seem, both sides seem to be ratcheting this up. And mm-hmm. the average American does not want to go to war in Europe, period, full stop. The, whether this is the right, right attitude or not, it is the attitude. And I think that's part of his reading of the tea leaves, that if he's going to do it, this may not be the worst time. Because he's got multiple benefits. Like, he's got the benefit of the American public who don't want him to do it, which means we might not do a whole lot, except for maybe back deal arms trades or whatever. We're not, he's, they're not officially in the NATO yet, so if he keeps it to Ukraine, potentially none of the other guys get dragged into it. Um, I, and I think that's underappreciated. So. And, but the real answer is, if he does this, I do not know. None of us really have any idea what's going to happen. I think that's, that's the scary part. And at least to me, like, like that's, it's the black swan events that are going to come out of this event. Like we see the first move, he moves, Ukrainians fight back, and then what? Do other, do other, other nations have suggested in the area that they would defend Ukraine? And if they do, and they're a NATO treaty, does that dry guessing? I don't think that happens. I think he takes Ukraine and that's it. Maybe we sanction them. Maybe we block them out of, oh, I don't remember the name of it, but there's a, uh, basically a network, a banking network that the entire global financial Swift? world Swift. uses. Swift. There you go, Swift. Uh, we, can, we can kick them out of Swift, which would be devastating for Russia because that now they can't connect with anybody else in banking-wise, finance-wise, and the rest of the, the world. Um, that could be a big thing. I th- We might do some of that, but... I, I mean, even the UK was like, look, we stand with you. We're not sending any troops. I think everyone says, look, Ukraine's not part of NATO. We're not willing to go to World War III for Ukraine, especially because Ukraine is really split. It's not necessarily like Ukraine, all of Ukraine doesn't want this. There are many people in Ukraine who are fine with this and who want this and say, you know, let's be part of Russia. We're fine with it. There's also many people who don't want that. To be clear, fine with being part of Russia, maybe not fine with how they're going to get there. Sure, sure. There's going to be a lot of bloodshed. There's 100% going to be bloodshed, but it's but it's not like it's my point is like it's not like you Russia taking over France where it's just like what's happening here, right? It's like it's it's very murky and so when it's murky as an outside power, like what side do you choose? It's kind of their own thing and I don't think anyone wants to go over to war over Ukraine. Speaking, not with Russia. Speaking of getting kicked out of Swift, that doesn't do a whole lot as much as it used to. This is what we talked about oil before. Russia has already right. made deals to sell China oil in CNY, meaning Chinese yen. Um, and what does that do? That gives them finance. That gives them ability to do these things, ability to go into war. And if China's not, I mean, doubt China's going to stand up for Ukraine. In fact, China, my other worry is that China will take this as an opportunity to invade Taiwan. They will, they will, Possibly. It'll yeah. give them cover to do what they've been wanting to do themselves. Just to invade Don't they, China. haven't they already done that? Don't they already own you, you, Taiwan? There's a disputed territory. They claim they ha- own it. Taiwan's do, Taiwanese do not believe they own it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we strategically, they're strategically important to us. They have the largest right. silicon uh, uh, manufacturing plant in the world. So they are, for all of our, all of our chips, all of our silicon chips they're building, for all of our companies, Intel, Apple, Google, like pretty much any device company, in the world is getting our chips from Taiwan. And therefore, we, we can't lose Taiwan right now, which is part of the reason you saw Intel, some of you guys may have seen, Intel has decided to build a $20 billion factory for chips in Ohio. Ohio has abundant energy, access to water, all these things we talked about in the, uh, we talked about previously. 
uh, being a problem, and, and they have abundant all of that. And then again, it puts us our chip manufacturing inside the middle of our country, hard to attack, strategically important. Then we can maybe if Taiwan gets attacked, maybe it, it, we can let it happen. But keep in mind, Japan and Australia have both said if Taiwan attacks, they are on Taiwan's side and they're going to fight China. And they are allies with us. In fact, mm-hmm. we have sent carriers and other ships over in that area, I believe, into China. I know we sent some, I think, carriers. South China Sea. South China Sea. We've got troop buildup in Guam. We have a base there. We've got troop buildup in Australia because we've got a base there. And we're doing that right now because we see the threat as well. And I think part of the threat is what's happening on the other side. China might see this as a chance we, you know, America can't win a two-front war. To be fair, we technically won last time. But it's going to be a lot more. We had Russia. We had Russia on our side. We had Russia and we had the UK, right? Yeah. And I I think about this a lot. What would have happened, jumping back to World War II, what would have happened if Pearl Harbor had never happened? We we had said we wanted to stay out of it. And we were adamant that we would. FDR kind of wanted to push us in. And we he didn't ever get the political power to do it until Japan physically attacked us. If they hadn't. Yeah. Very good chance UK and Russia fall to Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. And then they could have attacked us in a two-front war, and we would have truly had a two-front war. We would have had an Atlantic fight and a Pacific fight at the same time, whereas we really only had a Pacific fight on our front and then because yep. the rest of the war was centered in Europe. We, we, we had a contested territory to get over to, to the Europe, but we weren't actually fighting the German on our land over here in Atlantic side. Yeah. So. People really don't understand the – I think a lot of Americans don't understand the significance of the Eastern Front in World War II where Germany was fighting Russia. And that was 90 percent or so – maybe not that high, 80 percent, 70 percent, don't quote me – of the casualties of the entire World War II was Germany and Russia. And that was really what swung the war for us is because Germany was fighting Russia. And a lot of people say, you know, 2-0 America. It's like really like Russia kind of won that war for us. Like we were there, but really a very different war. I mean, I you're talking we, I would say we tens won of millions it. of people. We won it, but we wouldn't have won it without them. That's the problem. We wouldn't have won it without them. And, and the same thing could happen here where we as Americans, the average American, may not want to be drawn in on this. But if we wait too late – we will mm-hmm. automatically lose. Like, that's the problem. If we wait until Japan and Australia fall to China right. to jump in, we may have already lost, effectively. Right. Whereas if we join them, we might have enough of a, of a chance because we have places that we, have, we can work from them. Those are locations. We can defend Guam. Again, we have a base in Australia for a reason. Like these, There's not an easy way to mainland China without the islands, and we need some islands to get there. Yeah, it's a big deal. And, th- and in some ways... NATO and all of these strategic partnerships, in some ways, I don't think that the people in charge, um, I think they always believed this, and whether it's now, it could be five decades from now, but I think the elites have always seen Russia and China as a problem, that we might have to go to war again with Russia, because, I mean, how many wars has Russia (laughs) started? Russia has always tried to take over things like the, this history of Russia and China, it, it's not going to stop. Why would it stop, right? Um, just because we have iPhones? Uh, no. <laughs> Russia and China it's also want to, to remember, take more land. It's also important to remember, we think of Russia, Russia as European, but I think it's only like one-third of their, uh, of their land right. in Europe. Most of the people right. are in Europe, but two-thirds of their land is actually in Asia. So they were actually right. neither, they considered themselves neither Asian nor European. 
because right. they're both. They're just Russia. They, and we, we, we in Amer- America forget that. We think of them as Europe, but they're actually um, yeah. far more landmass in Asia than they have in Another uh, geography lesson for you guys is we think of the of Genghis Khan, right, as being an enemy of China and invaded China. But Genghis Khan also fought Russia because they're connected. They're he they're from the what's called the Asian steppes. But that connects with Russia and with China. And now they focus more on China um, because that's where the more of the riches were back then. And they wanted to take those riches. But they also sent troops into Russian territory and decimated Russia because it was Genghis Khan. <laughs> the Mongols are just on another level. But so it's, they, they're they're really they're right there. They're connected there. And yeah, Mongolia uh, is right a, between the two. Like yep, exactly. What, and that's also the reason they can make this deal with China. So if China can get their oil from Russia. They can go to war with us because they have access to cheap. Again, they have an energy crisis. I'm not sure. Do we ever do the? Do we talk about the China article we're supposed to? Or do we no, do we, we or haven't talked. We haven't d- done any deep dives on China yet. And we haven't done the article. So there's a great article. I'll post it in the link, and we'll probably talk about it next time because I really do want to get into it. It's about China's water crisis, which is also an energy yep. crisis. And we've talked a little bit about the energy crisis, but how these things are linked. How they can't get good good usable water that then can allow them to have these um the basically a lot of energy plants take a lot of water and they don't have a whole yep. lot of usable water in the right places uh, yep. and so they're having these real these choices they're, about they're, energy and yep. that could be partly solved at least the water part can't but the energy part can be solved by having a deal with russia who has plenty of oil they run a pipeline say through mongolia right into china and you could have you know on tap energy for a long time and that'd be wildly important if they ever go to war. And I don't think I yeah. fully appreciate it. And so I do think that they are working together, um, or not working together. Together's not really work. Uh, in concert, maybe. Uh, like they they like each other enough. Uh, they're both authoritarian, and they're both anti-U.S. Any of my enemy is our friend, right? Um, and there's a lot of mutually useful attributes to those two countries. So if Ukraine mm-hmm. goes in, so sorry, if Russia goes into Ukraine, I do think the odds of China, I'm not sure how great they really are right now, but I do think the odds of China going to Taiwan go up, not down. That they will use the confusion and the two-front war issue to possibly make their move. And, and depending on our response. response. That's the other thing. If we're, if we're weak and not doing a whole lot, it might prove that they can get away with it. So, or at least they think they can get away with it. And... They wanted to do it for a long time. It's been a threat for a long, long period of time. Yeah, they. Yeah, they. I mean, you see how much drama in the media there is. If you, if anyone calls Taiwan a country, China gets real upset about it because they think it's part of China. If, if you guys haven't check out where Taiwan is, it's a you know little island off, say southeast, uh, it's southeast, uh, uh, southeast Asia basically. But it's worth looking at where it is, relationship to Japan, Australia, basically Guam, all these places that we're going to be using and why you kind of see why Australia and Japan would be nervous if China went into Taiwan, they would think the next stop might be Japan or Australia. So it's a bit, it's like someone attacking Canada or Mexico for us. It's too close for comfort. (laughs) Yeah. And China is making, I would say they're having a, maybe, what's the right word? Maybe a uh, espionage war right now in Australia. There's a lot of reports that China is, 
don't know if they're turning politicians or they're trying to influence elections or they're trying to inf- they're trying to influence politics in a way that's very Chinese friendly in Australia and we don't get a lot of that news here but there's I, I just saw the other day like the con- the con- the what do you call it? corruption of Australia has fallen like China's really trying to take over Australia politically wise to for future for future, you know, if, if they're going to go to war, they want Australia on their side and not as a uh, as a hub for our military, since they're right there. Yeah. And I so by the way, we I think we back in the twenty twenty two prediction episode, we made a prediction about Russia invading Ukraine. I think my odds were seventy five percent, and yours were sixty five percent, and I think we're looking pretty good at winning that. At yeah. Winning that, I think. I think they're going to do it. And one we didn't make was whether the odds that China invades Taiwan. And I think that was substantially lower. I still think it's probably a no in 2022, even if Russia makes that move on Ukraine. I don't think it's – but I do think the odds get better. I would put it probably at like a 20 or 30% chance of happening. I would put it like a – I put it like 20% right now and maybe a 30% chance of Russia makes a move into Ukraine in 2022. Uh, that a cap in twenty two. I'd be more apt to see if that if that war is long and contested and a mess, and we're not largely jumping in. Twenty twenty three looks pretty open to China doing it, and I'll be a lot more believable. I think they're going to wait and see how this plays out a little bit before they make the move. But yeah, well, they want to see what our basically our response is. Do we how hard do we go against Russia for taking yeah. Ukraine? Yeah, and if we don't go that hard, that's going to be a problem. We don't go that hard, and, and it's still a mess in twenty twenty and in twenty twenty two. That might give them enough uh, enough possibility to do it in twenty twenty three. So I'd probably put it at ten to twenty percent right now of them doing it, and then goes up to twenty to thirty if 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 Russia actually makes the move into Ukraine. Yeah, that's pretty scary. This is like this is really the formings of a new, you know, World War Three. If you, if you if if you understand the history of World War One and how it happened, I mean, it took years to form, but it was very intricate trade uh, and uh, alliance deals, and um, then one thing happened, and everyone went to war, and tens of millions of people died. And I've not felt personally this nervous about an international relations issue since like 9-11. And 9-11 still never made me worry that we're going to stumble into a world war because it was still a terrorist organization, right? It wasn't a government. This is multiple governments potentially. Powerful governments. And who are aiming to do something they've wanted to do and are publicly known for wanting to do for a long time. So... I think it might actually happen, and that scares the living daylights out of me. Because the other thing that we always forget, although we mentioned it, is that this will not look like potentially not look like World War Two or World War One. Everyone has nukes now, <laughs> and all the players we're just talking right. about have nukes. So, right. They'd be very careful. You, you did not see my face, guys, but Luke did. It was like uh, it was just yeah. utterly scary. I, uh, I which. I, I, which adds intricacies, which which could go either way. Because uh, on one hand, that makes Russia taking Ukraine, uh, you know, that it almost it almost turns down the volume. Like maybe we just let them take Ukraine because we don't want to get into a nuclear war and they're not part of NATO. It kind of lets China maybe take Taiwan because like we don't want to get into war with them, right? But then what happens if Russia? Maybe they want to take Latvia or Estonia again, or if China does want to take Australia, then it's like okay, that's when. 
so we're not there yet, but we're we're one step removed. So like they take the one step, okay, but now we're at the line. We're we're literally at the line of World War Three, where if you take you can take Taiwan, you can take Ukraine, but one more step, and right? Sure one more into one of Taiwan. these other countries. So Ukraine, I'm a lot more willing to say they can take it, but right now our entire economic engine is reliant on Taiwan. Right. And if we can't guarantee we have access to those silicon chips at a reasonable price, we'll go to war over that. I mean, that is... Probably. That is... It's like going to war over a gold mine that's like a giant gold mine in back in the day or something like that. There was also lots of parts of the World War II were fought over certain strategic locations where they needed access to steel and stuff, iron and stuff, so these things they could build things with. Like, that's... Silicon chips are that for us. It's not just that Intel and Apple and our economy relies on it. Our entire military relies on chips now. Right. We can't just let our chip manufacturing go away, which is why I think the $20 billion going into uh, Intel is putting into making chips here in the U.S. is a very, very smart move. And Biden has already said he's going to do whatever he can to get legislation through to speed that process up as quickly as possible. And I think that is absolutely a smart strategic move. And I want to say, yes, Biden administration, you're doing 100% right here. I have no complaints. I hope you guys get this through. I hope to God the liberals don't fucking slow us up over, you know, some weird labor issue or anything else. Like, this is a strategically important issue. I, I don't want to caught up over environmental issues for that long. Like, it needs to be get done as quickly as possible. And if they don't, I don't think they realize how dangerous it is if we don't get it done. And, the, and every day that goes past, goes by, as we said, and we've talked about how finance, how the financial system is imploding basically and how that contributes to the odds of event like war like a world war happening we need this built in as soon as possible not and preferably within a year or two we don't need to we can't wait five years i don't think realistically we need this up and running as quickly as possible because if we need it we need it and as much as possible we need to get our manufacturing base back here as well too and this also means looking at Yes, opening and mining and stuff in federal parks. I'm sorry about federal land. We need to get it. We need to get this. We need to have access to this stuff. Right now, China has been not buying treasury. We talked about that. What they've been buying, they've been buying mines and stuff like that for actual commodities so that they could have these supplies because they, first of all, they're sort of inflation proof. That's important. But the other thing is, legitimately, if they go to war, they have access to the things they need to build the military equipment they need to build. And our entire supply line right now relies on the person we might be in war with. Like that's not, yep. that's not feasible. We need to get out of it. We need to, we need to open some oil pipelines. Yes. This may be pissing off some native Americans. I don't know what to tell you guys, except for the fact that we are in a very, very bad pickle. That's getting worse by the day. And the thing to do is to shore up some of our stuff back here and give up some of these fights so that we can guarantee we don't have to rely on the person we might be at war with. Because, by the way, if we go to war with it, we're just going to do it. We're going to ignore all objections. Judges aren't going to push it through. If they don't, the president will say, what fucking army do you have? We're building this. We'll do it under our right. War Powers Act. Or we'll build the pipeline. But the problem with that is we're already, that means we're, we're, we're behind the eight ball yep. already. And it's not that we can't necessarily overcome it, but we don't want to have to get to that situation where we're just praying it works out. Yeah, what shocks me is COVID, I thought, was a, a wake-up call to this already. I mean, we were running out of ma- – like I have a – I work at some manufacturing uh, – pharmaceutical manufacturing plant sometimes, or I used to at least. And uh, they need a lot of PPE. 
and they get it all from China. And they were two weeks from being out of PPE, two weeks from being out of PPE because they get it all from China. And this place manufactures vaccines and manufactures drugs of all sorts, everything. And this was a year and a half ago in March, and they were two weeks away from being out of PPE. And I was like, isn't this a wake-up call to maybe bring some of that manufacturing back over here so, like, we can have that? And then that's just a pandemic. So they, you know, China had to shut down for a little bit. There weren't any flights. So, like, okay, it'll open back up. But if you're at war with them, they're never opening back up, and they're going to actively – what are they going to – they might burn the extra supplies. You know what I mean? Like, you're never going to get that supply. It's like, into how long is the war going to last? You know what I mean? So it's – it's if that wasn't a wake-up call, war is that, you know, times a 1,000. So it it really I I'm shocked that we haven't solved this yet. Really shocked. War would be way worse than a pandemic or, for supply chains. Solved it, but haven't accepted the, the reality of it. Like that's almost what's more annoying is we're still having the same old fights. Yeah, as if people don't realize what what's actually happening. But I don't think most people do realize what's happening, and that's scary to me. That's very yeah. scary to me. I don't know what to do about that. Me too. So it, I guess it's we're very educating our audience. Like, so I hope that was uplifting for you guys. Yeah, so that's uplifting. Uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. I think, I we will we keep had... you apprised of the situation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think we we're... By the way, the book episode we talked about, I think is going to come out after this. We want to get this up a little sooner because of what's going on with Ukraine. So I think we'll just hold off on that one. And it was a deep dive on a bunch. It wasn't even a deep dive. It was almost like a list of all of our favorite books and why we liked them and all the different things. And I it was a it was a topos level of uh, of our book reviews. It was a topos level book reviews. Yeah, that's kind of what it was. Uh, And (laughs) I quite enjoyed it. And I think you guys will enjoy it too when it comes out. I just think it will probably come out a week after this or maybe a little bit later. The good news is it can kind of fit in anywhere. So we have a slow news week Mm -hmm. where it's going to pop up. But if we have if we have a bunch of fast news weeks in the next coming weeks. It may be a long time till you guys see that episode. We'll find out. It is, it is yeah. recorded, and you will come out eventually, I promise you, but I don't know when. Yeah. Also, I have some uh, other books that I'm reading right now. One is on uncertainty uh, and probabilistic thinking by international lawmakers, uh, basically people engaged in war and international relations experts, and how to think about that, and that's pretty interesting. I'm reading that one right now, so I hope to guys talk, talk to you guys about that later because I think probabilistic thinking is something we talk about quite a bit here. And it's about how to prove that. And I just think it'll be useful in everything we do. It, it basically should be interest, useful across your life, I would think. Probabilistic, more, being more effective in your probabilistic thinking and your probabilistic communication. So it's pretty interesting already. But anyway, that's it for this topic. I think we got two other quick ones we're going to hit, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, first of all, the Fed, Fed talked about uh, hiking interest rates, announced they were going to do it today. And, of course, the market responded, as we told you it would. Uh, risk assets sold off, including Bitcoin. Bitcoin didn't go down as far as it did, did recently. I think, what is it right now? It's at 36,817, almost back to 37,000. So it didn't have a, as massive a sell-off as it did earlier this week. But no surprise that they're hiking. They're trying to fight inflation. I think we that pesky monster. And the problem is this is going to cause, likely cause, us, uh, cause the unemployment numbers to go up. So... We'll see that trade off and, and potentially hit a recession by about June. It looks like if if, if the current things the textbook definition of inflation is uh, sorry recession is when the short term interest is that is that right? Is the is the short term interest goes above or below? I think it are goes you talking about the when the when the the, y- the yield the, the yield, yield curve? Yeah, yeah which one? Which when the, yeah, the yield curve is when the interest rate on short. 
So the interest rate on the short-term debt is higher than the interest rate on the long-term debt. Yeah. It's bad because that right because the interest rate they're longer term should be higher. Because they're basically saying there's more uncertainty in the next few years than they are over the next. Basically, that's what it's signaling, right? More uncertainty in the next few years than there is. It's and and they and people say it signals a recession and 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 all these things and I like I think there's there I think there's mixed evidence of that. Um, but it, it, it's not a good sign, right? Um, so let's see. Here's the, I, I pull it up just in case I got there. Uh, inverted yield curve means that the short-term U.S. Treasury, so I had it right, is paying a higher interest rate than the long-term U.S. Treasury, which obviously is not supposed to be um, – is not supposed to happen because if you listen to our bond episode, right, the risk-free rate of return, you take that based on the short-term uh, yield – the short-term uh, interest rate on the short-term bond. So the three-month, for example, yeah, interest rate bond is the safest thing you can do. And for the so it has the lowest interest rate. For a recession, I think they're particularly paying attention to the 10-year and the 30-year Ten, rate. Yeah, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Because the 10-year is the one that really is the risk-free rate of return that everyone uses to value all equities and stuff. So I think it's the 10-year right. or the 30-year. And, but when those flip, right, then, like, what does that mean? So you're saying the short-term uh, bonds more are risky. more risky than the long term. That's that gets very uh, that gets very weird for financial models, basically. Which uh, you don't want. And people say it leads to like oh, it happened before two thousand eight, and it happened before you know two thousand. I, I think the I don't know how concrete that evidence is, but you will hear that um, yeah, going on. I think it's pretty solid because they say usually within about six months you see the recession. If I recall, they like do that. say that, but it's, with it's finance, like if you could predict like it. I don't think it's real. <laughs> That's how I feel. If you if you can say it for certain, it's probably not real. Uh, but because <laughs> because if it was for certain, then you could make a bet on it and make money. And I and I would not. I'd probably say like if everyone thinks it's going to happen, then it's not going to happen. But but I but I'm not an economist, mm, so don't. But even so economists don't listen. aren't very useful. <laughs> but they, they don't. So. They don't. They don't all agree uh, either. Um, not only so, do they not agree, they're often wrong. They get they're often wrong. It's not. Yeah, I I have a lot of I have a lot to say about economists. Yeah, <laughs> I don't necessarily. They resp- they yeah, act I don't like necessarily. Physicists, them. and I'm like, you're not physicists. Yeah, they're not physicists. And human in fact, mathematicians. Human yeah. nature is not the same as gravity. I'm sorry, but it's, it's not. not. It's not. It's really not. People who. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Uh, I would, I would, I would, I could do lectures on that, um, but yeah. So the Fed, so that's why if you are in the stock market, uh, all your your you lost money <laughs> in the last two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Everything okay. is red because uh, uh, Jerome Powell felt cute and decided to uh, fuck your stocks. So that's what you get. But so uh, yeah, trying to help you on inflation. So we'll see if it works. The real problem is. I think long term they have no choice but to print, so it's just a stalling tactic, effectively. And they'll probably they're trying it. to ride it. I think yeah, yeah. they're going to try to ride it right up at least until twenty twenty two elections. Like that's kind of the goal, right? Get past the twenty two elections, right? Don't just lose. like we talked about in our predictions episode. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we're seeing we'll see. it come. We're seeing it come to fruition. And uh, if you're, in, I would say, don't sell your stocks because they're probably going to go back up, yeah, uh, at I least in the sell, long term. Yeah. I would not sell them. Yeah. Don't sell stuff. Just buy more. Buy the dip. Buy the dip. Buy the motherfucking dip. <laughs> buy the motherfucking dip. Buy stocks. Buy Bitcoin. I mean, stocks are definitely going to go up. Bitcoin's definitely going to go back. Like, like Bitcoin goes what, up faster. Whatever they do. Bitcoin bottoms, yeah. bottoms sooner and pops faster. It happened in March 2020. Right. Uh, it popped faster than all the stocks, including, and about the same with gold. And so gold, it acted actually a lot like gold. So 
everyone has to remember everything's connected. We've talked about this before in the financial right. market because everything's USD denominated. They have lots of contracts. So when hell goes to hell in a handbasket, right? Then suddenly everyone just dumps the dollars. They want dollars as quickly as possible, and they don't even want you know they don't even want the bonds. They want dollars, physical dollars. And if you don't understand this, go listen to our episode on bonds. So <laughs> we, ex- we, we explained this for an hour. And yeah. yeah, it's all connected. So that's what happened. Uh, but the thing is, because of Bitcoin's own internal mechanics, plus, this is very, very important, plus the dollar cost average army, what I call them, the people are just buying regardless of price every week, every day. And the buy the dippers, the guys who have a little bit extra cash to get a good price and buy it, these guys are long-term hodlers. They buy it, they take the money off the exchange, and it goes away never to be seen again. So we pop back faster. And we've talked about it before. That's the own internal mechanics of Bitcoin. And by Bitcoin, I mean not just the physical uh, reality of Bitcoin, the monetary asset, which has a fixed supply with a fixed issuance rate. It's also the fact that we have this weird community of people who just will buy no matter what. And that's very, very important to keep in mind. Both of those things are add the, to the anti-fragile quality of Bitcoin. Without either of them, it doesn't work. And... I've had to explain this many, many times on Twitter, and people don't seem to understand it. It really is the community as much as anything as the actual monetary mechanics. And as long as those guys are still there and we're still here, hi, I'm still here, uh, we're still buying, uh, it will correct itself over a period of time. And it should correct itself faster than the stocks precisely because of the fixed supply, fixed issue rate. So, and, and the fact that so much has already taken off exchanges already. So that's sort of how it works. Keep that in mind. Okay, the, the next subject we want to talk about real quick is this Justin Stephen Breyer announced that he's going to resign, and we'll see who we're going to have a Supreme Court fight, I guess. Well, that's pretty interesting. Supreme Court justices don't usually resign. Yeah, I think he's doing it because uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg did not, and she is not well. And that, was one thing her, that was the one thing that hurt her legacy, and she everyone should've. knows it. She didn't run, and she, he's looking at 2022. He's looking at the odds of the fact that they're not going to keep that house. Sorry, they're not going to keep the Senate. And, and if he doesn't get out now, he may, you know, the GOP will just, again, jam up the election, um, the, the appointment of a new judge for two years. And right now they at least have 50 votes, assuming Cinema and Manchin both sign on. You might have a few Republicans do it. Uh, but if they if they get all the all the Democrats to vote together, they have the votes. Plus, uh, with with Kamala Harris being the tiebreaker to put in a new justice. And do you think um, Mansion and that other traitor lady um, they probably vote Cinema. with the Democrats for this, right? Because uh, it's would, it's not a Manchin money thing. This is a, this is a Supreme it. Court justice, right? I think, I think yeah. Mansion will likely vote for it. A cinema, who the hell knows? Uh, I. But the thing is, so might be Romney. There's a few Susan Collins who might. It's an easy way to get a bipartisan support. They're not. Right. Biden isn't likely to put in the most progressive justice in the world. And keep in mind, they already have a significant lead on the, on the court right now. This is just a one for one, one liberal to another liberal. And so unless, unless they go super progressive, I think they'll have the votes. Uh, if, they, if they do go super progressive, then it might be a real fight. Might lose Manchin. Might lose but Biden's not a super not progressive, get. anyways. No, so I, mean, I just highly skeptical they will. It'll probably be some moderate. Even Obama was, you know, pretty imposing up moderates, pretty much Democrat moderates. So yeah, I would not expect a super super progressive justice to be a uh, to be a selection. So I do think they'll have the votes, and they'll. But the thing is, they'll have to get it done pretty quickly. 
before because they don't they need to get done before twenty two two elections and guarantee they yeah. get it in, uh, and they should be able to have the time to do that. So, yes, I think they'll get it, and I don't think I also don't think Biden's stupid enough to put a even if you liked a progressive. Let's imagine like in a situation where you really liked one. I don't think he's stupid enough to try to do that right now. So would, no, he know, he knows I mean, politics. Yeah, and he was in the Senate for so long, so he understands yeah. what he can and can't get through. And I do think they'll get this one through. I'd be a little surprised if they don't. I would be surprised as well. He's, I mean, he knows the game, so I, I don't think he would put someone in that wouldn't get. And, and I, I almost wonder if there's any fatigue. If, like, he puts in someone moderate, the Republicans might just say, all right, do whatever. Let's, we don't want to use our energy on this one. Let's just go. Like, he's fine. Whatever. Let's go. Yeah. Or she. Sorry. <laughs> no, yeah, actually, I mean... A lot of people are saying it should be an African-American woman. So that could be uh, who they select. I mean, as long as they find one who is, you know, not super, super progressive, but moderate Democrat, right. that seems completely plausible to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I just don't know. I personally am not an expert on who's out as justices. I that don't know either. could be po- possibly good options. I just don't keep up with that. I largely don't care. Yeah. I'm a lawyer, but I don't. I, I like, I'm interested in the SCOTUS cases a little bit, but I'm definitely not interested right. in keeping track of every justice in the world. I don't care that much. <laughs> and all the possible in the, in the federal or the, or the ninth circuit judge, like who's that? I don't know. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I don't care that much. And I don't think it's really worth my time. I've got a billion other things to worry about. And that's probably not, up. What, what, what was it? Uh, Shamas said is this, this is below my line. This is, this is below my line. <laughs> line everything. Care, this is below my line. Everything I care, everything in the world that I can care about concern about. This is below my line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Same thing. Guys. So guys, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look that up. Shema, uh, uh, Palatia or whatever his name is. Like being Paula very, Habitia. yeah, being very offensive to the Uyghurs and saying he doesn't care about them at all. And he got, I don't disagree with him. I don't disagree with him, to be honest with you. I don't think most people do care. Yeah, but I he don't. was saying he didn't care. It wasn't even just most, speaking for most people. He was saying, I don't care. Uh, uh, no, he like, was saying most people. He no, was saying he most actually people. said, he said he was talking about his line. He goes, of all the things I care about, I right. care about. But, like, do you actually care? Like, yeah. what have we done? Like, I what mean, has anyone done? I mean, I what care. Is the, what do you mean by caring, though? Yeah, right? Like, I care. The question is, what can we do? Sure. I don't know the answer to that. But right. But I think that's what you're saying. He's like, no, sure. Like it's bad. No, that's but, not at all what he said. That's not at all. What you he know, said. whatever. Because that's a different statement. That's like, I care, but I don't know what to do about it. Like I care about the North Koreans as well, but they're basically hostages being held by a nuclear dic- right. nuclear arm. I don't know what you do about that, but of course I'm concerned about it. Like, but the fact that we have likely have we doesn't certainly have concentration camps, perhaps death camps going on. Oh yeah, hundred percent is wildly fucking offensive to me. Right. And I'm actually, am concerned about it. I just don't know what you do about it. Like, right. But like, what's your definition of care though? This goes back to everything we talked about. The fact that we are too wrapped up with China. Same thing. We're too wrapped up with Saudi Arabia. Reason we can't tell them to go fuck off when they, when they dismember journalists is because we need their oil. And the same thing with China, we need their supplies. That we, yeah. they're, they're our factory. They're, well, and China has nukes. I mean, we, we couldn't we couldn't invade North Korea. China has nukes. Yeah, but we even can't we can't no. speak up about it. Really, we can't like as a yeah. as a president. Well, they beat us in that war. They actually pre- beat us in that war. Yeah, but as a president, you can't say much because we quite literally have outsourced our entire fa- manufacturing base to them. Mm-hmm. They are our manufacturing base. We can't piss them off too much. So we have to yeah. stay silent or just say, "Yeah, we don't like it," and kind of keep it relatively even keeled. Yeah. 
Because we can't just tell them, fuck you, we think what you're doing is fucking evil. We can't say that. <laughs> no, we cannot. Even though that's what we actually think, right? Yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? Like, well, I don't you're know. committing genocide, almost certainly. Yeah, I don't know if I call it genocide, but it's, they're definitely exterminating as many people as they... Yeah. They don't... It's, it, it's weird. It's not like, yeah, it's not genocide. And this is their own people. But, I mean, if you speak out, you go to a slave concentration camp, they work you to death. I mean, the Uyghurs aren't their people, though. I mean, they're... Oh, I'm, right. I'm, I'm talking about North Korea. Sorry. Oh, sorry. sorry. Okay. Oh, China, yeah. China, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's more of a... I would say that's more of a genocide. Yeah, because yeah, it's definitely because they're Muslim. They're not, you know, Buddhists. They're not Chinese. They're, yeah, well, and they're, and they're... What are they? Like, they're more... Like, because China's so big, they're, they're almost like... Well, there's a lot of ethnic groups in China, just like there's a lot of ethnic groups here. But they're more like Mongolian or Middle Eastern type of uh, Chinese something and practice... Uh, you know, a different religion. I mean, yeah, than, than, that, any religion yeah. that's not communism, even Buddhism is like, yeah. it's okay, but you keep your, yeah. you know, you better still be communist first. You know, better, yeah, better yeah. be communist than anything else. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, no, it's not great. None of it's great. Welcome to the real world, everyone. I hope you enjoyed our uplifting episode of I'd Rather Be our, Right today. This is, yeah, super uplifting. Now. <laughs> this is our holiday special to bring you joy. Joy, war, and genocide, baby. <laughs> How fun and sexy that was. Welcome to the human condition, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, we on that lovely a, note. We hope to have a more joyful one soon. Hopefully, but you know. But the world's shit right lot. now. So uh, I, maybe we'll get a few dick yeah. jokes in here and uh, we'll laugh about it as we die. I don't know. I've, I've read a lot of history books. I'm not hopeful. Let's, let's... <laughs> Unfortunately. Okay, I don't know what else to say. Oh, except for, obviously, please rate us, review us. Like, review. Yeah, yes. Steal your, steal your fam- uh, mother's cell phone and rate cell us phone. on her yeah. there. Add, it, add it them, subscribe it, you know, tell them to listen to it. You know, your mom will like a good dick joke. Oh, actually, you want to hear a funny story before we sign off? This is actually pretty funny. I was out last night at a bar, and I met this girl, 30-year-old, so 30-year-old woman, and then she goes... You know, we started chatting, and then she goes, yeah, this is my mom. Showed me Instagram. I was like, that's your mom? I'm like, yeah. And I had picked her up. I picked her mother up <laughs> three, three, four months before. <laughs> like, I didn't, like, go home with her or anything like that. But, like, I was just like, wait, that's your I have her number in my phone. <laughs> her mom was, like, 50. So I was like, I was like, 48. So I'm sort of, like, in between. <laughs> my man, dude. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. So, yeah, that, that, that happened to me. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty funny. I hope that g- gave you guys a good laugh. So you can steal your mom's phone, especially if she's hot, and put her my number. I mean, sorry, subscribe to our podcast. Now don't put my number. <laughs> and that's why we're friends. <laughs> All right. We'll see you guys later. Woo, I love it.